Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Denton Davidson, senior editor for Gold Derby, with Austin Butler, who plays Elvis Presley in Baz Luhrmann's epic film Elvis. Austin, um, I was told by one of the producers, Gail Berman, that you sent in an audition tape wearing a bathrobe, singing at a piano. And I need to know more behind that story. You know, why was that, why was that the choice? And uh, why did you want to make your first impression in that way? I, I uh, the, the thing for me was my agent had, had said, you know, we can send Baz clips of you acting, but we can't, we don't have anything that you sing, so... So maybe film yourself singing something and send it into him. So I, I've been watching all these documentaries and trying to figure out what I would send. And uh, I ended up trying to send uh, a tape of me singing Love Me Tender. And, uh, and when I did it, I watched it back and I just saw all the external things. You know, I, I saw me trying to force the muscles in my face to look like Elvis and um, you know, it just, it felt very surface. And, uh, and so I, I put it aside and I said, I can't send that. And, uh, and I, I was, I was really just trying to figure out if I even believed that I could approach this, you know, what is, what's the way in, how would I want to, you know, if, if I was the guy who he gave the job, how would I even want to do it? And so a lot of it was me trying to figure out my own belief. Um, but then, you know, I've, I've talked about my mom a lot in this. Uh, and and um, so I'd learned that Elvis's mother passed away when he was 23, uh, which is the same age I was when, when my mom died. And, uh, and so I, I just learned that in this, in this documentary. And uh, I ended up, waking up from this dream one night where my mother was dying again in this dream. And, uh, and so I just had all this, this pain inside. And I really thought, you know, that Elvis would have woken up from this similar dreams, I'm sure. And, and, and suddenly in that moment, it was so human. It was like, it wasn't about anything external. It was about the, the, the grief of a young man. And, uh, and so I, I thought, you know, Elvis would, would put this into song. So, so what if I just sit down and, and sing a song right now with, with all this emotion and I had just woken up. So that's hence the bathrobe. Uh, my hair was a mess. You know, I had, I had this bedhead and uh, I sat down at the piano and, and I started. And the first song that came to my mind was Unchained Melody, which wow. I had no idea was going to be one of the last moments in the film. And, uh, 
And so I just sang that song to my mom. And, and it was really, it was just that, you know, just the truth of, of that emotion. I just kind of let myself cry and I let myself play the music and, uh, and I just filmed it once. And I, I kind of thought, I have no idea if this is for Baz at all, but this is, it's the most truthful way that I think I can approach this in this moment is to take all of my own soul and, and pain and everything into, in, in, into this. And, and, you know, thankfully that was something that Baz also resonated with. And, and um, so that's, that's how I first, you know, got connected to Baz. Wow. Um, and as you're doing that, are you singing um, as yourself or are you trying to be, a, how, how much different is your own singing voice than Elvis's? And, and have you had aspirations to be a singer when you were younger? I mean, was that something you wanted to pursue? Well, I, was, I was so shy. So I never sang in front of anybody. Uh, I, I would sing in front of like very, very close friends. I sang in front of my mom back in the day, but it was, you know, I, I music was always a part of my life. So I, I got my first guitar when I was about 12 and got a piano the next year. And, and I would just play music for eight hours a day. I would lock myself in my room and just play. But that was more, uh, it was more just therapeutic for me. Mm. Uh, so I didn't really do it in front of anybody else. Um, but I, I think for whatever reason, right before I heard that Baz was making the film, I was I was kind of in a mu- musical phase of, I guess, sort of, you know, I, I think my, my voice has a similar timbre to Elvis's. So when I sing, it, it kind of has similar characteristics. But I wasn't at that time really trying to uh sing like him uh until and until I heard that Baz was making the film and then now I just you know tried to get as specific as I possibly could so I mean when I sang Unchained Melody I was trying to sound as close to Elvis yeah. as possible but but my my own singing voice I don't even really know what it is because I, I don't I don't let it out much <laughs> um maybe in the future we can we can look for that um I mean I, I, love, I loved performing on stage so much and I had the time of my life, so yeah, I, I wouldn't completely cancel that out. Was it easier for you to to perform as someone else on stage? Is it is that easier for you to? And so, what what is the key to getting his voice and movements right without looking like a Vegas impersonator? I mean, because that's a that's like a, a balancing act to to make it look genuine. Because he's such an iconic figure. There's so many versions we've seen of him. Um, so how do you bring yourself into Elvis and make him a be like someone that we believe? Well, that, I mean, that was the, that was the big question. And I tried so many things, you know, I, thankfully I had a year and a half before we started shooting. So I could try many different techniques and, and, uh, I, I was surrounded by great people. You know, my, I had this, uh, an amazing movement coach named Polly Bennett who I had found because she worked with Ronnie Malik on Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she was, she was very, you know, very, very involved and, and very helpful. And, um, and uh, I can, I can walk you through some of the things that we did together, but, uh, but it's kind of how it all fits together. You know, you, you have a speaking voice to singing voice, his physicality on stage and off stage. Um, 
And then also how that changes over the years, how he walks differently later on than he does in the early days or how he speaks differently. And, and so it was kind of figuring out a way to break those down into, into bite-sized pieces. And then, and then there are certain things that, I mean, the tightrope that I often talk about is the fact that on one side you have very meticulous things, very, very technical, specific things like the architecture of his mouth or which, which shapes the way that sounds come out or um, a specific way that he moves, which, you know, some of it is just getting your body to be able to move in a certain way. Um, and then it's, and then it's not making any of that choreography. It can never feel choreographed because if it does, then then it won't feel like it's happening right now for the first time. That that's a little bit, you're a little bit liberated from, from the confines of uh, a, a meticulous train spotting moment when when you don't have footage but if we're trying to recreate something baz used the word train spotting a lot like this is a train spotting moment we can watch milton burrow hound dog and see exactly what how elvis is moving in that moment exactly where his eyes go how his hand is positioned everything so the tricky thing is is to get those things as specific as possible but making it feel inside like it's happening right now for the first time it's spontaneously so it was kind of this I, I would have to go back and forth and sometimes I would have to listen to the song and not think about any way that he moved and just just figure out how the music was moving me and then and then you then you start feeling okay why does his hand move in that way on this note or that sort of thing you start stringing these authentic moments together so that by by the time that I'm on set and this is why having time was such a an amazing gift to me because by the time that I got on set it, it, it I'd I'd done these things so many times and tried to get it into my marrow as much as I could so then I, I wasn't having to think about it you know yeah. uh, and I talk about things like the fact that that Elvis never was choreographed himself so where did he get that inspiration from? He got it from going to the gospel church. He got it from being down on Beale Street. And so I started putting myself in, you know, the, the mindset of not just looking at Elvis, but looking at the people that influenced Elvis and and putting myself in situations like with Baz, we went down to Nashville and recorded these gospel singers and they sang for eight hours and and from their soul and stomping their feet and singing these gospel songs. And you you can't help but get chills and tears in your eyes. And that's sort of like the raw meaning of music where your body moves because it has to. I always knew from that moment when I felt that in Nashville that if I wasn't feeling that, then I was off. So I so it was it was this kind of that was that became my northern star in a way. It was that that emotion of the the music moving you in a spiritual way, you know? I love that. Um, you get to go toe to toe with Tom Hanks in this film. <laughs> and um, who didn't grow up loving Tom Hanks? Um, if, if you're 30, did you have a favorite Tom Hanks uh, movie when you were growing up? Jeez. I had so many favorite Tom Hanks movies. I, I, I mean, I love big, I loved Forrest yeah. Gump, uh, you know, Castaway. 
Toy Story. You know, I, 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 and that was that was the amazing thing when when he first when I first met him, and I would be in one room, and I would hear Tom Hanks laughing in the other room, and it just dawns on you that's Woody. That's you know that's that's the icon of Tom Hanks in the other room, and uh, that was that was really surreal. It's it's kind of amazing. So what was it like then acting with him? Well, that's what I was going to say is that is that once you get into filming, uh, we were we were separated mostly. I mean, usually we would share a makeup room together, but because the fact that for one, we both had a lot that was going on. So he had he had a big prosthetics rig and uh, and we both would arrive really early. So we'd get there at three or four in the morning and get makeup chair. uh, But we had separate rooms. So we often, maybe we would see each other for a second in the dark at four in the morning as we kind of wave bleary-eyed at each other and make our way to our own makeup rooms. But then by the time that we got on set, we looked like Elvis and Colonel Parker. So there wasn't, I wasn't seeing Tom and he wasn't seeing Austin. You know, it was, it allowed us to live in that world the whole time. And then and then there were certain weekends where he would he'd call me and say, you know, hey, you want to come upstairs and watch Saturday Night Live and get some pizza? And, you know, so we had we had days like that as well where I got to be with Tom. And, and that was really just some of the times in my life as well. But for the most part, it was I just was seeing Colonel Parker. What was your toughest day on set? You know, was there a day that seemed more challenging in particular than others? I mean, there are there are days that are challenging for different reasons. You know, I, I mean, digging into deep grief is never feels good. You know, so those days are are um, you feel like you're walking into a burning building or something. You know, it it, it you kind of show up and and you know it's going to be painful. Um, but the the. the, the Challenging days were the first performances, you know, because I'd had so much time to prepare and uh, and so many people had believed in me to get, you know, to get me the job in the first place to to, you know, support me during the entire preparation time. And now suddenly the moment of truth is here where all that matters is what happens between action and cut. And, uh, and suddenly the fear comes in of, of am I enough? Uh, you know, all those things that, am I going to fail everybody? Uh, you know, and those fears, when, when you wake up in the morning and you know that you're going to go into one of those days, I mean, what I felt was, was nearly crippling anxiety. Uh, but I, I was almost desensitized to it by that point. Cause I've been feeling it for so long. So then, so then you just, you just do the work and you also realize that any one of those moments, like 68 special was one of the first things that we found. And that was a make or break moment in Elvis, Elvis's career. He felt like if that didn't go well, his career would be over. Um, so it was, it was the same feeling that I was feeling. So I didn't have to push it away. I could, I could know that he was feeling fear as well. And what did he do with it? He channeled it in, into the music, into the rapport with the audience and, so, so that was that was nice to kind of know that any moment that I was feeling anything, it was usually parallel to what he was feeling. 
And then you've gotten such a great response. Um, you just won the Australian Academy Award for Best Actor, People's Choice Award, Breakthrough Performance at Palm Springs International Film Festival. Now there's all this Oscar buzz surrounding you and the film. You know, what's that been like? Just going, living through this. What's the what's the last year of your life been like and how have things changed, things changed for you? Well, I mean, I, I've been acting for a long time. Uh, since I was a kid, I've never had another job. And there's, there's been, you know, uh, yeah, there's been many different chapters in, in my career and in my life. And uh, I'm very grateful for this one because I'm getting to work with people that I've admired for so long. And, um, and I've never given more of myself to any role. And, um, and so, but you, when you film it, you really, we really didn't. Like Baz and I would have these conversations where you go, "What if everybody hates it? You know, <laughs> what, what if, what if you get booed at Cannes? What if, you know, there's all these fears that come in of of the fact that I mean, I've taught, I've said this so many times, but I, I really felt like if it didn't go well, I wouldn't work again uh, because of because of all the belief that had been put in me and then or, and and the people that doubted it and so suddenly then you'd be proving them right and all the people that believed in you would be you know so there's all those fears so now no matter who it is if it's an eight-year-old kid in a grocery store saying I loved Elvis or an 80-year-old woman saying she met Elvis one day and how much the movie touched her or or my or our peers saying you know that that the film resonated with them in, in a certain way it just feels really I'm just really grateful um yeah I feel good and I want to talk about your career a little bit because people are acting like this is just like the breakthrough performance as if you've never done anything before um but you have you've even gotten a SAG award nomination for Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood and I mean you you've been a part of um a lot of film and television so can you talk about, you know, do you think you would have been prepared for this level of attention if you were 20? Like, are you, are you a little, you know, relieved that it's, that it's happening now for you or um, yeah. how do you feel about that? I, I very much am. I, I, I remember being 16 or 17 and comparing where I was to where DiCaprio's career was yeah and I always felt like I was uh you know at a certain point I thought oh I, I think I've missed it you know I I because I, I, I and 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 this has been a great lesson and just never really comparing yourself to anyone because we all have our own path and uh and I I I feel like if I hadn't if I had a certain level of success at a, at a young age maybe I wouldn't have had to double down and, and work on craft and, oh. and really try to figure out how to get better. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm grateful for that. Well, it sounds like, you know, the timing is, has been perfect for you. And this is such an outstanding film and a bold performance. Congratulations on this and best of luck to you with all the upcoming awards. Uh, there could be a lot of red carpets for you coming up. So enjoy this ride. And to everyone watching this interview, head over to Gold Derby and make your Oscar predictions. Check out more interviews with other contenders like Austin, including quite a few we've done with other actors and craftspeople from Elvis. Um, and Austin, thanks for chatting with Gold Derby today. Thank you so much. It's nice talking to you. I'll see you later. Bye.